0: All right, so this morning, uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll look at the first 10 verses uh, this morning together. If you want to turn there, let me turn on this recorder here. Okay, cool. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, and the title of the message is A Future Hope, A Future Hope. So I'll start with this quote that I think everyone has probably heard at some point. It says, The statistics about death are very impressive. One out of every one dies. And I know that the topic of death is not necessarily something that people like to talk about, unless maybe you're in the funeral business, or maybe you're in the mob. I don't know. People don't like to talk about death. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that death doesn't shake us. It shouldn't shake us in fact Billy Graham once said the moment we take our last breath on earth we take our first in heaven and of course we know that Billy Graham has already experienced that as he's been called to go back home uh, with the Lord so today in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 the Apostle Paul reminds us of the hope and the future that we have in Jesus Christ the fact that we have a permanent home a permanent dwelling place in the Lord's kingdom Now, the last time I was up here was actually back in June uh, when Angel was out of town, and I had the privilege to teach through 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We finished the chapter, and today we'll be in chapter 5. But just a little bit of a background here in uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, In the first letter to the Corinthians, and let me just mention, Angel actually taught through that a few months ago. So if you're interested in hearing those teachings, those are uh, available on YouTube as well as iTunes and the uh, SoundCloud uh, through our media link there. But in the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul is addressing some issues that were taking place there. And if you look at Acts chapter 18, uh, there we learn that Paul fathered this church back during his second missionary journey. And there were a lot of issues. There was division in the church. There was um, sexual immorality taking place. There was an abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There was a lack of love for one another, just to name a few things that were going on there. So Paul, what he does is he writes them a letter, and he actually writes them a letter from Ephesus. And this was during his third missionary journey. And Paul became very anxious after writing this letter to them because he didn't know how they received the letter. Paul had promised to visit them in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, but the Lord did not allow him to do that. So if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, just a little bit later in this second letter, Uh, Titus brings some good news to Paul that the Corinthians had received his letter well and they still loved Paul. They were starting to change their behavior but there was still a lingering issue there at Corinth. There were false teachers that were leading people astray. These individuals, so-called Judaizers, that were mixing law and they were mixing grace, they were telling people that they couldn't come to Jesus until after they fulfilled the law of Moses, and we know that that's not true, right? You can come to Jesus now. You don't have to fulfill the law of Moses first. So this is what led to the second letter, the second epistle uh, to the Corinthians or to the church there in Corinth. And I love this second letter because, well, the first letter, you know, the same thing, but with the second letter, it just gives me a glimpse of Paul's heart for ministry and how he loved those people there in Corinth that the Lord had given him the opportunity to lead and to minister to. But ministry is all about people and leading people to Jesus. That's what ministry is. It's not about self-promotion. It's not about this or that. It's not about getting people in here. It's about leading people and pointing people to Jesus. So once again, this morning, we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So before I get into the text, let me just open up in a word of a prayer this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this morning for this opportunity to come here together as a church family, to learn and to hear from you. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just speak through me, that I would decrease and that you would increase, Lord. Whatever needs to be said is said, Lord, and whatever we need to take away from this message, that we take it with us, Lord, because you always have something for us through your word. We pray that you fill this place and fill us individually with the power and the person of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of knowing you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. All right, so the first thing uh, we're going to look at this morning is assurance of the resurrection. Assurance of the resurrection. Or you can think about it as the fact that when we leave this earth, we are assured a new resurrected glorified body or a new dwelling place, a new home um, in the Lord's kingdom. So beginning in verses 1, I'm going to read verse 1 through 8. And then I'll get into the text in a little bit more detail here. Paul writes, beginning in verse 1, he says, For we, we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Amen. So looking at this very first verse here, it reminds us that we do have eternal life to come. And I love this because it puts everything into perspective, everything that you're going through on this earth right now. It puts everything into perspective because of what we have promised to us in the future in Christ Jesus. Now notice here that Paul views our bodies as these tents, these temporary tents, these structures, and we're just pilgrims going through this land. In fact, if you look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul tells us there, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our citizenship is in heaven as followers of Jesus Christ but going back to the tents how many of you all have been camping before probably most of us have been camping Um, you know tents are not very sturdy structures and don't judge me but I always need a lot of help like setting the tent up I'm that guy who needs help setting the tent up but when you set a tent up when it rains when it gets really windy it can't withstand those elements it's very weak But when you compare a tent to a solid building um, the building is much more safer right it's 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 more sturdy you'd rather be in there than in the tent during a storm or during um, really bad elements outdoors so similarly in heaven when we leave this earth we're going to be given a body a building a new dwelling place it's not this temporary tent that we are living in right now and then I love what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 verses 4 through 5, he reminds us that in Christ Jesus, it says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So I love this. This is a beautiful promise that we have in the Lord now the other day I was reading an article and it was a survey of a group of Americans it was a a small percentage of Americans and 11% of that that group was very afraid of dying Um, 37% of that group was somewhat afraid of dying and then I think the other there was another like 20% were not so much afraid of dying but they still had some fear Of dying and when you think about death when you think about our society today there's a lot of people that fear death people want to live forever there's all these different fads going around like drink this drink that eat this eat that you know the keto diet um, the cheeto diet whatever you know people are trying to to live forever and we know that the only way that you can live forever is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ that's the only way we can live forever but as Christians We actually look forward to our heavenly home. We're not shaken by death. We live by faith. We walk by faith, by the unseen, that we see in the mirror of God's word. That's how we live our lives. And I don't know, I I just, you think of the world today and people just fear death. Don't fear death. I think if you fear death, it's because you're holding onto this world just a little bit too tightly. So our earthly tents, once these tents are destroyed, as the word of God tells us here, um, we physically die, we leave this earth, then we will eventually be given a new body, a new building, a new dwelling place that is much stronger than the, these, uh, these weak tents that we live in right now. And notice Paul tells us that our heavenly bodies will not be made by hands. God will carefully craft those for every individual. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, uh, here Paul tells us, the Lord will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And then furthermore, if you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 2, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if you look, if you look up that word mansion um, in, in the Greek, That word can be translated as a dwelling place, a permanent place. So we're leaving this temporary tent for a permanent home. So why do we need a heavenly home? Why do we need a new body when we go into the presence of the Lord? Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 40 through 44, there Paul gives us some insight about why we need that. He talks about the fact that all the different bodies, all the different entities, everything that's ever been created um, they have their own glory, and they're suitable for their own environment and in their own time, wherever they are. So for example, our bodies are suitable for our time here on earth. However, to be in the presence of the Lord, these bodies cannot withstand God's glory. We need to have a different body. And I love what um, Pastor Ed Taylor said one time. I heard him on a radio show. This is a pastor back in Colorado. He said, these bodies are unable to withstand the glory of God now, Therefore, we need a different body to be able to do that. So we can't withstand God's glory like this. We need that new resurrected or glorified body, and that's why he's giving that to us uh, when we leave our temporary tents. Now, moving on here in the text, if you look at verse two and three, actually through verse four, uh, Paul talks about the fact that as Christians, we can't wait for this heavenly home. This new heavenly body it says for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven if indeed having been clothed we shall not be found naked so we groan every day we groan because we know how limited our bodies are and i think we can all relate to this in some way right you wake up and there's the aches and the pains um the hair is turning gray right you're getting the receding when they come the cul-de-sacs right the receding hairline uh the migraines um right the acne all those things you know i'll be grateful when i don't get any more blackheads but all those things are are going to go away eventually right we've grown because of these things we look forward to those heavenly bodies but notice in verse three uh paul tells us that just as we have a body now, we're also gonna have a body when we're in the presence of the Lord. You see, in that time, uh, the Greek philosophers believed that when you died, that you were in some spiritual state. They believed that when you were in a body that the spirit was bounded. um, It was imprisoned, if you wanna call it that. But the fact of the matter is the word of God tells us that it's going to be a physical body. And the best example we have of this is the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. You see, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he had a body that was of flesh and bones. And if you look at Luke chapter 24, verses 39 through 43, this was after Jesus was crucified and after his resurrection. If you remember, Jesus appeared to many, many witnesses and to his disciples. And it says here, the Lord speaking, he says, Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence." So notice here that Jesus had a body of flesh and bones after his resurrection and he even ate, as the Word of God tells us here. Uh, Furthermore, after his resurrection, we also see in the Word of God that his body was not bounded by the laws of nature. So remember Jesus, he was on his way after his resurrection. He appears to um, the two disciples. Cleopas was one of them and the other one was unnamed Um, and they were depressed, right? They were sad because of what had happened to Jesus. And they invited him to their house. And remember, in Luke chapter 24, verses 30 through 31, uh, Jesus there with these two disciples, it says, Now it came to pass, as he, speaking of Jesus, sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished uh, from their sight. So he appears to the disciples after this in in the latter verses, and so yeah, so the Lord was not bounded by any laws of nature. He was of flesh and of bones. And because we were, have all been born again in Jesus Christ, we resemble him both in his death and also in his resurrection. So, I mean, that's something to really look forward to because these earthly tents are just, they're not the best thing, right? <laughs> um, moving on to verse 4, Paul continues. He says, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. So as we've mentioned already before, we groan because of how limited we are in these bodies, in this tent. We look forward to our new bodies, but we don't want to be unclothed, right? We don't want to be in just some spiritual state. We want to have that new Uh, resurrected body, not like those Greek philosophers were teaching in those times. Um, But notice in the last part of verse 4, he talks about uh, the fact that um, mortality may be swallowed up by life. So our new bodies will no longer be subject to death, no longer be subject to death anymore, like our bodies are now. And Paul talks about this in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verse 54. And there he writes, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And here Paul is referencing uh, the prophet Hosea in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. So this is why we should never fear death, because death has been swallowed up. We have the victory over death in Jesus Christ. And when I was reading this, it reminded me of another um, portion of scripture that Paul talks about um, in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. The fact that absolutely nothing can separate us um, from the love of Christ. So here Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, uh, 35 through 39 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So absolutely nothing can separate us from the Lord, not even physical death. And this is something that we have to remember. If you're fearing death, it's because you're holding on to this world just a little bit too tightly. We don't want to set our 10 stakes too deep here. And I can certainly tell you that as I continue to grow in the Lord, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, and as I continue to serve the Lord, the more I do that, the more the things I used to hold on to very tightly in this world, slowly letting go, and had you known me a few years ago, or earlier rather, um, I was always a very anxious guy, very fearful, very paranoid person. Um, I was that that what-if guy, you know, what if this happens, what if that happens, but the truth of the matter is when you are full of anxiety and fear, it's because your faith is in the enemy, it's not in the Lord, and that's sinful, and what we should do in that time. And I know for me, it's just casting those cares to the Lord, those cares, those anxieties to the Lord. And then when they come back to you, give them back to the Lord. It's like passing the basketball back and forth on the basketball court. Just let the Lord take care of those things because He has the shoulders that can bear those things because we can bear those things. And certainly knowing in the back of your mind that um, we have a hope and a future in Jesus Christ makes that a little bit easier. But there's days where you're in the flesh. I mean, that's me, right? We're, we're in the flesh every day. We're still in the flesh, right? We're not going to be sinless. We're still going to have days where we mess up, right? We should desire to sinless, but we're not sinless. So there's days where I'm still anxious and worried, but I know what to do because the Lord's Word tells us what to do. It's just obeying it and casting those cares to Him, those worries, those anxieties. Letting go and letting God. That's the way I think about it. Just let go and just let God. There's so much to look forward to. So moving on here... Um, We're in verse 5, right? Yeah. Verse 5 through 6. Here, Paul talks a little bit about that hope and that faith that we have in, in the Lord. He writes, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So God is preparing us for this very thing that is our eternal glory. That's what God is preparing us for. Now, when you think about the Apostle Paul, this was a guy who was very familiar with suffering. Um, You think about his ministry, and he even talks about it. If you look at the earlier chapters in 2 Corinthians, he talks about beatings and shipwrecks and the persecution and... Don't forget also about even the thorn in his flesh. Just to name a few things. I mean, this guy faced some difficult things. And Paul considered all of those things minor afflictions, light afflictions. He knew that all of those things were shadowed by the eternal glory to come. They were preparing him for something better. And the same thing for all of us in this room this morning. I don't know what you're going through. We're all going through something. I'm going through something. And don't deny it, right? We're all going through something. And the Lord knows what he's allowed into our lives. And all those things are preparing us for a greater thing, greater work, eternal glory. And we just have to trust the Lord. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and in fact, I talked a little bit about this um, a few months ago when I was up here, when I was able to teach the last time, but we can view ourselves as clay jars or clay vessels, clay pots. And the Lord himself is the potter. He shapes us and he molds us into whatever he wants to shape us into. And I don't know if any of you have made pottery before, but when you make pottery, you have to use a process, what is, what is called the firing process. And I think what that does is it like lets the clay mo- um, bond at like the molecular or the smaller level, so like it bonds it keeps the shape. So in terms of us as believers, it's like going through that firing process when we go through those tribulations, those difficult times. That way we can keep that shape that the Lord has made us. And the shape we want to maintain is the one that looks more like Jesus, right? We're going to look more like his son, Jesus, every single day. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul tells us there that little by little, we're being transformed into his image, speaking of Jesus. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, and this is something I read earlier, um, Paul reminds us, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So certainly we want to be more like Jesus. We want to die in his likeness. That way we can resurrect in his likeness and um, have those resurrected, glorified uh, bodies. Um, And sometimes we forget what we're supposed to look like. But if you get into the word of God, the mirror of God's word, the only living representation we have of God the Father is Jesus Christ. So if you get into his word, that's what we're supposed to look like that's what we should desire to look like every single day and notice here he also says that the Spirit is our guarantee and when I when I read this it kind of reminded me of layaway Um, how many of you put something on layaway it's like Christmas time right we're Americans we like to buy things we can't afford so we get things and we put them on layaway you give a down payment and then you give payments and then eventually you get to take the item home and you get to keep it so Similarly, but most importantly, I think of the Holy Spirit as our down payment, our down payment to seeing the Lord face to face. And the Holy Spirit is shaping us, molding us, helping us to live that life that represents Jesus more, and helping us just walk that straight and narrow path. So the Holy Spirit is our down payment. And when life gets too difficult, often we forget that we have complete access to the Lord. You know, the Lord's not on this earth. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit is on this earth, living inside of you, inside of me. We have the Word of God. We have each other, right, to fellowship with. And when times get tough, we have those resources. We can tap into those resources. God is always accessible to us. And as a believer, I know for me, I leak the Holy Spirit, and I have to ask the Lord to fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. And you can do that as well, and the Lord will fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit has blessed you abundantly now, can you imagine when you're in the presence of the Lord face to face how much more that's going to be a blessing? I'm really looking forward to that. God will always give us everything that we need to remain faithful to his purpose. And in fact, Paul talks about that in um, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 where he says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And certainly that's some confidence that we can walk in as we continue um, running this race together as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So notice he also says here that while we're in this present body, we're absent from the Lord. We're not in his immediate presence is what he's talking about here. We still have the Holy Spirit. We have his word. Now in verse 7 and verse 8, Paul writes, For we walk by faith not by sight we are confident yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord so because we're not in his immediate presence like face to face we have to walk by faith not by sight and we know that our faith comes from romans 10 17 tells us right so our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god it's the word of god that's where our faith comes from trials and difficulties don't make our faith or build our faith they test our faith james tells us this but it's not enough just to know god's word to have like a head knowledge of god's word you have to walk in the word of god you have to apply it to every aspect of your life this is actually something that we've been talking about in the youth group on thursdays we're going through james right now and we don't want to just be hearers of god's word but we want to be doers of god's word and i know sometimes it's it's hard to do that right we want to be doers of our own word our own motives, but we want to be doers of God's motives, God's Word, God's commands. And certainly when we do that, uh, we will be walking by faith because we're walking uh, in the Word of God. And then eventually, one of these days, we'll no longer need to have that faith because we'll be in the presence of the Lord already, seeing Him face to face. Now notice also that verse, in verse 8, Paul tells us, you know, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence Of the Lord and I'm really looking forward to that and I think all of us are looking forward to that but when you think about that a little bit deeper now to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. I can confidently say for myself that that kind of denounces or eliminates that doctrine of some holding place between here and heaven right like purgatory or something Because to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't say to be absent from the body is to be in some holding place, waiting to be cleansed, and then you go to heaven. It says to be in the presence of the Lord. Another doctrine that sometimes you hear about is um, soul sleeping as well, and um, you have to be careful with that as well. You know, just what the Word of God says, that's what it means. Absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And I actually want to comment on this, Um, and this was on my heart this morning. I didn't know if I was supposed to say this or not, but it just was on my mind. But if you look at Revelation chapter 6 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, you know, it talks about the resurrection and the rapture of the church, right? Uh, The the, the being caught up as a church before the tribulation period and before Jesus' second coming. Um, Some people believe that if you die before the resurrection, before the rapture of the church that you're in the presence of the Lord but you're in some spiritual state and then you get your body later. And then there's other people that believe that you get your resurrected body automatically after you die because heaven is not bounded by time. Um, I don't know. All I know is that to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And I also know that at some point I'm going to have a resurrected body whether immediately or I have to wait I don't know but I know I'll be in the presence of the Lord regardless so that's how I think about it Um, sometimes those things can lead to division and arguments and and not good things so that's between you and the Lord Um, but what a beautiful statement to be in the presence of the Lord with all of the people that have died or have gone to be with the Lord rather before us to see him and to see them I'm really looking forward to that Now, the second thing I wanna talk about this morning is the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And this is verses nine through 11. And the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 uh, says, it is appointed for men to die once, and after this, the judgment. So whether we are a believer or a non-believer, everybody on this earth is going to face judgment. And I'll talk a little bit more about this as we get into the verses here. Um, Beginning in verse 9, it says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well-known to God. And I also trust our well-known in your consciences." So we know our eternal destiny. We know where we're going. So now our hearts, while we're still on this earth, is to have that heart of servitude, to, be, to have that um, servant's heart. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul tells us that our goal is to bring God glory with our lives and with everything uh, that we do. Because everything that we do has a consequence. And, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith used to always say, you know, you only have one life that will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. And it's so true. Only what we do for Christ is going to last. And the only way we can please the Lord, it's not through works. Remember, we are saved by grace through faith. The works are a result of that because the Lord comes into our lives, begins to change us from the inside out, and suddenly, What he desires for our lives become our desires, and we start to do the things that God has called us to do. That's what we're going to be judged for. And if you look at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, it talks a little bit about this. It talks about the fact that faith without works is dead, and also works without faith is dead. So it's like you tell a homeless person to go and to be warm and to eat food, but you don't provide those things for them. Like, how is that going to help them? It's not going to help them. And you hear about this, even in our society today, people that, you know, they don't believe in God, but they say, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm a good person. I do this. I do that. I I help the homeless. I do this. But the truth of the matter is, it's not enough just to be a good person. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all of those good things, all of those good works are results of that relationship. So that's something we have to keep in mind. And we want to be pleasing to God, whether in this world or not in this world, right, as, I, as we serve him or we're standing before him face to face. And as believers, the Lord has called all of us, because all of us in here, if you, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a ministry already. Your life is a ministry. You're a living letter of recommendation for the faith. And all of us have been called to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of every nation. That's the Great Commission. Not the Great Suggestion, but the Great Commission. And you know, sometimes we the great suggestion. Well, not today, Lord, but we we, we have to do it every single day. The Gospel of Matthew and Mark speaks of this. And all of us in this room, we have different gifts, we have different talents. We're going to do it in a different way. And, you know, that's why it's exciting for me with the young people, because they all, they have all these different gifts and talents. They're good drawers, they play sports, they do this, do that. They're going to use those things for God's glory, and that's, that's pretty cool. Likewise with us in here as well. All the things that God has gifted us with, we're going to use those things to build his kingdom. Now, In verse 10 you know you often hear all roads lead to God. That's not true. All roads lead to God's judgment. That's true, right? All roads lead to God's judgment. And everyone on this earth is going to have to give an account of what they did and what they didn't do. And Paul here is referring to what is called the um, judgment seat of Christ or the judgment that we as Christians as believers are going to face. Now, we're not going to be judged for our sins. That was taken care of at the cross by the blood of Jesus, right? He is the propitiation for our sins. However, uh, we're going to be judged for what we did for the Lord while we were on this earth. And in fact, John speaks of this in John 5, verse 24, regarding um, judgment for sins. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life, this is Jesus, and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. So as Christians we're not going to be judged for our sin but rather we're going to be judged for our service unto the Lord, the quality of service, the motive behind the service, and um, just what we did for him. And putting this all together, it's possible that like you make it to heaven, you put your faith in Jesus, but it's also possible that you do nothing with your life for Jesus. And we don't want to do that. We want to be rewarded in heaven. We don't want to just make it to heaven. We want to receive rewards. And if you look in scripture, there's actually five crowns that are mentioned, speaking of rewards for the believer. If you look at First Peter chapter 5 verse 24, uh, 1 Peter 5 verses 2 through 4, it talks about the crown of glory. The crown of glory, and this is given to a person who has a position of some sort of oversight on earth. Another crown that we read about is in First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-five, and that's the imperishable crown, and that's running God's race with endurance. And then in Second Timothy verse four, verse um, chapter four rather, verse eight is the crown of righteousness, and that's for all looking for and loving His appearing, speaking of the Lord. And then in First Thessalonians chapter two, verse nineteen. It talks about the crown of rejoicing and this is a soul winning crown and then lastly in james chapter 1 verse 12 you have the crown of life and that's for faithful endurance enduring temptation the testings and the trials uh, making it through those passing the test so here we have these these crowns these rewards that are mentioned throughout scripture so it's possible to have a saved soul but a wasted life and we don't want that we want to have a saved soul and a fruitful life. We want to do many things for the Lord. And in fact, Paul tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. He says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord." So, just in closing this morning, there were two things that we talked about. The first thing we talked about was hope. Of the resurrection, right? We talked about the fact that when we die, when we leave these temporary earthly tents, uh, we receive a new permanent dwelling, right? A new home, which is our resurrected or our glorified body, because our current bodies are only suitable for our time here on earth. They're not suitable to stand before the Lord and to withstand all of his, His glory, so we need a new body. Also, our new bodies will be made of flesh and of bones, just like Jesus's body the example that we read about there in the Gospel of Luke. And we'll no longer be subject to death anymore when we receive those new bodies. And every single day, uh, the Lord is preparing, uh, preparing us rather for that eternal glory uh, that's to come. The second thing we talked about was having that servant's heart. And as we wait on this earth for that time, when we can finally see the Lord face to face, our goal day by day is to bring glory to God, to bring Him pleasure, And we know that that's only done by putting our faith in him and being obedient to his word. But the works, the the things that we do for the Lord, will come. Those are secondary to our faith and our obedience to the Lord. And those are the things that the Lord will judge us for. So we want to make sure that we don't just make it to heaven, but we also get rewarded in heaven. And not so much, you know, to glorify yourself, but to do something for the Lord, because he's done so much for us already and continues to do so much for us. So we want to walk by faith, And continue being obedient to our calling and our calling is to be ministers of the new covenant and that's what we're supposed to do. And I'll close with this verse, the Lord here testifying in the book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 12. He says, and behold I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So I can confidently say that in Christ Jesus Uh, The best is is yet to come. So let me close in prayer and then we have one more song to worship together. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word and we just we look forward, Lord, to that day when we get to see you face to face. And in the meantime, Lord, we pray that you would just give us a desire to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to be led by your Holy Spirit, to have a thirst for your Word and to just be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. We pray that you would open up doors for us to share your gospel, to be living examples of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we pray for this week. We pray for those that are listening. We pray that you would bless them. And Lord, if there's anyone listening or anyone in here, Lord, that desires to have a relationship with your son, Jesus, Lord, we pray that uh, you would just allow that, and you will, Lord. We pray that if you desire to give your life to Jesus, that you do that now. It's tugging at your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to allow you to repent of your sins and to come into your life and to fill you with his Holy Spirit, and he will do that. It's as simple as that, and if you do that, welcome to the kingdom of God. And we pray this morning that if anyone has done that, Lord, that they would find discipleship, they would find support, they would find a church that would lead them and guide them and help them to develop uh, that relationship with your son, Jesus, and to do the great things that you've called them to do, Lord. We thank you so much for this time this morning. We love you and we praise you, Lord. And um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.